Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Oh, dude! When you sent me that picture today of the of like the preview mag, dude, I lost my yeah. shit. I was like, "Oh shit, it's here, son!" God, there's so much in there too. It's hard to make sense of it all. It is just jam packed. It's been a couple of years since I got the uh, the Phil Steele. Shout out Phil Steele. I can't imagine collating all of that information. Dude, that guy has like a whole fucking squad of people yeah. helping him put that shit and, together, it's and really they're all. They're all busier than hell, from what I can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. Can you imagine, like, the transfer portal cycle with, like, dealing with that magazine? Like, I can't even imagine. But no. that is, it's always my favorite time of year, man, when the preview mags start dropping, especially the Phil Steel. Yeah, shout out to that guy. Fantastic work uh, every yeah. year. Love getting it, reading it, all that good stuff. But uh, speaking of previews, we got some coming up uh, here next week, I think. But yeah. in the interim, welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Bailey of Sports Network. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with Eric Mulher. As per the usual, Eric, what's happening, man? You got your got your preview mag? Are you getting are you still on some baseball or are you like just say screw baseball and you're locked in? No, I I am still on baseball because I've only had my Phil Steele magazine for like four hours. Um <laughs> I am it the Astros are struggling, so it's it's hard to get as excited as I would like to be about baseball. But yeah, I'm still kind of on baseball and I will slowly over the next month or so go like 60, 40, 65, 35, 70, 30 board towards college football end up around 90, 10 until the Astros are eliminated, which, you know, might be the regular season, the way they're going. (laughs) Surely not. I I, I'm still about 85, 15 here on uh, baseball. I'm, you know, the Braves are kicking ass. I think they've won seven in a row now. So they, it's, it's hard for me not to still just be all in on the Braves, but bad news on the fantasy front, man, my team collapsed. It's just, it's, it's done. It's over. I'm, I know it's early and it's not even towards the all-star break yet, but I'm waving the white flag and I'm going to be a seller. You're selling. Yeah. Yeah, It happens to the best of us, dude. Yeah. yeah. So we're looking to next year, but uh, speaking of next year, Today, we're going to talk about a few coaches that might not be coaching the same team next year. Yeah. Today, 
is the hot seat rankings. Eric, this is one of our favorite episodes every year. It's always fun to talk about people. And, and, you know, selfishly, this is like selfish content because it's just, it's so enjoyable for us. But in all reality, we're talking about a guy losing his job. Yeah, I don't feel great about it. Being like, hey, this guy, uh, I guess I comfort myself knowing that I'm not openly calling for a person to lose their job. I'm just kind of looking at their history and their maybe their immediate future and determining whether or not they're going to have a job. This isn't like a personal rooting interest. This is just, I try to stay as unbiased as I can, but I'll tell you, if you're on my list, it's not good because my track record for picking these is tip top. <laughs> it really is. I mean, well, to be honest, all of our track records last year were pretty fucking yes. spot on. Like I, yep. I picked uh last year on my hot seat list. Actually, I'm going to pull these up and read them off right now because this it's really interesting. Okay, yeah. So for your hot seat rankings last year, you had Jeff Collins, yep. number one. He made it he four games. Gone. Yeah, he was gone after four games. Number two on the list, still hanging in there. He yes, is Dino. Him? Yeah. Dino Babers. Yes. I was not optimistic, and I was one of the many people that Syracuse surprised last year, particularly in the first half of the season. They kind of uh, faded late, but um, yeah. Kind of faded with a one and six record down the stretch. Yeah, so. but he did more than enough to to keep his job. So shout out to him. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Herm Edwards at number three. Did not last the season. Nope, did not. Scott Frost at Nebraska and Mike also, Norvell were tied at number four. For you. They were, yeah, they were T4 for me. And yep. I would now... I would have to go back and listen to to kind of reiterate my exact words, but including Norvell was an acknowledgement that he that it had not gone very well yeah. for him. And I think during the episode, I actually added Frost into that. And yeah. uh, Frost missed my initial cut because I was optimistic that both him and Norvell could get to seven wins, and that would be enough to save both their jobs, at least for a year. But yeah, but it was, was over before it began for Frost losing to Northwestern yeah. in the opening week. A team that uh, that was way, not a good look. Did not win that, again. By the way, we might mention <laughs> here in a little bit. And then at number five, you had Brian Harson yep. at Auburn. So uh, now our lists were quite a bit different here. I had Scott Frost and Brian Harson T one. Okay, mm. I had them tied for the first uh, overall spot here. Yeah, obviously neither. Obviously, neither one of them made it through the season. And then I had Mike Norvell at number two. And that wasn't like an indictment on his. No, that that was, including him, was perfectly reasonable. Like, yeah. just because they won 10 games, you shouldn't feel bad. Like, right. Because if they'd have gone five like, and seven, he'd absolutely be gone. Yeah. And it's more of like, hey, man, I know what you did in Memphis, but you haven't shown it to me yet. It's kind of like your thoughts on Texas where you're like, I got to see it first. That's kind of how I felt with Norvell. And like, I need one more year with Norvell. Like, he's obviously not going to be on my hot seat list this year, but it's like before I buy into actually like a full on believer. Yeah, before I'm a full-on believer, I, I've got to see it at least like one more time. Okay, you did it once, do it again. Now I'm a believer. But I had Chip Kelly at number three. He also kind of surprised, had a decent season. I think they won nine games. So, you know, shout out to Chip Kelly. I, he, uh, he surprised me a little bit. But typically in my history of betting Chip Kelly, he does the opposite of what I expect him to do. And then I had Herm Edwards at number four. Obviously, we talked about that. And then number five for me was David Shaw. Now, he did not get fired, but he no. resigned. Yeah. So, 
I think it, I, I think th- he just saw the writing on the wall, dude. I don't think he did a bad job or anything like that. I think he was just like, man. I think overall he was really good for them, but just the last three yeah. years with the way college football has changed did not yes. work to his advantage. And I think, yeah, he resigned. I think he probably saw the writing on the wall yeah. and realized, like, I don't know that it's going to get any better. So before I do get fired, maybe just yeah. step away instead of trying to you know beat my head against the wall. That dude is so good on a television. He's fantastic. He's top yeah. shelf on television. Yeah, absolute like tier one analyst for television, be it NFL, college, fucking yeah. CFL. The dude is just, he's fantastic on television. So if you haven't noticed him, you might this coming fall, uh, you know, via NFL. What is it? He I don't know what actually, he's doing, actually. Yeah. I, I don't know if he actually took a job or what. We'll, we'll check on that. But yeah, so if he's on TV, our, you should watch because he is excellent. Yes, and definitely. I, I think you could, you know, be casual or uh, even like the avid college football fan, I think could learn some things from watching him break down the game. Oh, no, no doubt. And I mean, I think he's still, you know, definitely interested in the NFL. I mean, he was uh, breaking down some NFL last season as a mm-hmm. guest on a show, and he was fantastic. You can tell he's still following the game. So that was our top five. The I can't remember Timmy's top five other than I know he had Scott Frost in there, but uh, the flaming throne belonged to Brian Harson for yep. Timmy. So that was uh, his top two guys there. But Let's get into this year, man. 2023. Mm-hmm. I, mm, this is, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting list. And I have a feeling that our, our lists are going to be quite different. So how do you want to do this? Do you want to go start at number five and say five and five and four and four? How do you want to do it? Uh, I think we should go a full list. Uh, All right. So you go list, and I go or one. I go and you go, however, right. what order, order. But I, th- I don't think five, five, four, four would be the way to go. I think let's just get it. Here's my list. Here's my list. All right. Well, we'll talk about them here a little bit. I'll go first and get mine out of the way. And uh, you can uh, give me your thoughts on each as we go. And obviously, if you have one of these guys on the list, if you want to make a key point, you can wait or you can we can talk about it now. All right. So number five for me on the hot seat ranking of 2023, I've got Tom Allen at Indiana. This dude I'm not going to go into a lot of depth on some of these because, I mean, it's just they are what they are. The record is what it is. Since he's lost Kalen DeBoer, who, by the way, is setting the world on fire at Washington, uh, along with former Indiana player Michael Penix. Since that time, he's 2-16 and in conference play. It's not looking good. I know he's a dude that, like, players love to play for him. But I, I think the message is dead kind of thing. Like, it's just not working. Players aren't transferring there. They're transferring out of there. Like, I, I'm just, I'm not a buyer. Tom Allen is number five for me. Any takeaways there? Is he on your list by He's chance? He's absolutely on my list. All right. Okay. All right. So we'll move forward. All right. Number four, an annual contestant on the hot seat. Uh, Hello, game Justin. show, which is, <laughs> yes, it's Justin Wilcox. The only thing that I'm going to say about Justin Wilcox from Cal, by the way, if you're a casual fan listening, is that this, this guy getting fired is so long overdue. I can't even explain it to you. Like he has I, not. He, go go ahead. ahead. No, you no. go ahead. He, he has not been good since minute one of being on campus. Like his overall record is pathetic. I don't even want to repeat it. Cal has become the most irrelevant program in the Pac-12 like Arizona, 
Arizona State. All these programs are more interesting than Cal, even Stanford to this point. I mean, they, they, I don't know what else to say. Like, you have to fire this guy. Like, if unless he comes out this year and goes like nine and three or better, he needs to be shit canned, period. Yeah. So I've got, if you're listening to this episode, I've got my latest article on Billy Up Sports dropping tomorrow. Uh, and this is going to be my list that we're going over tonight. We'll be on it uh, with a little explanation on why these guys are where they are and what they need to get off of the hot seat or at least buy themselves another year. And when I started that article, I initially left Justin Wilcox off because I actually thought he had already been fired. Um, that's <laughs> that's how things have gone at Cal. And what so I realized that it, it, it fixed my mistake. No- Dude, you're it welcome. Makes no yeah. sense. That you're welcome, can. Jimbo. You you got left <laughs> off. Um, but yeah, he's there. I don't it's know bad. how they're getting five and a half. Games. I mean, to his credit, and he's not he's not that high on my list because they did have a lot of one score losses to good teams, and maybe they can get to six wins. But I think he needs to win seven to to feel safe for 2024. But I mean, is that okay? Seven wins is like your goal. I like, think a- I think if he can get to six. Well, A, he's going to have to pull some upsets because their schedule is not fantastic. Um, no. But also, I think that at least buys him a year. And if you're Cal, do you care that much about football where you won't give a guy an extra year? <laughs> yeah, see, that, that's what I'm taking away from this here is a guy like Justin Wilcox. If you're going to sit there and tell me that you're okay with this dude being your head coach after this, the complete shit years that he's put up as the head coach, that just tells me you don't give a shit about winning. And I don't think Cal cares about winning. I think they care about how much they can get from whatever fucking TV deal is left over. But the administration and the boosters and those people, they don't give a shit. They don't care about football. They they can't. There's no way. Because no. if they did, they would shit can him like two years ago and go get somebody who's competent. But yeah. they're just not going to do that. Or so. they would have given Sonny Dykes what he said we, they needed to compete and he might still be there. Yeah. You wonder if, uh, man, they're regretting that. I don't know. But let's let's get off the Justin Wilcox conversation. Mm-hmm. We've given that guy more than enough attention than he deserves. Number three for me, man, this one, it's a tough one for me because I really like this guy. Like, I think he's a really good coach, but man, you just, you can't, you can't argue with bad results. And man, Pat Fitzgerald, since the COVID season in which they went to the Big Ten title game, mm-hmm. they are seven and 29 and things are not looking good. I don't, I don't think they're, well, I mean, the COVID season was, they might be seven and 29 if you include the COVID season, but they were three and they were three and nine in 2021 and they were one and 11 last year. So I mean, yeah. they're yeah. Including the COVID season. Yeah. That's what I'm they've saying. They've won seven games in the last yeah. year. So yeah. you're like, Se- yeah. the last two seven have been and, particularly yeah. rough. They did not win a home game and they did not win an away game. No. I mean, it's just, I mean, since the beginning of 2020, they're seven and 29, one and 11 a year ago, 11 straight losses. Like it's kind of the same thing as Stanford, like to a lesser degree, because some of their, some of their grad graduates can still stay in school. It's not to Mm -hmm. the extreme that Stanford, you know, to where they, you know, a lot of their guys can't get into their grad school. Most of their guys can't continue. Yeah. So it's not, it's not to that degree, but they have been negatively affected by the transfer portal. I just, I don't know, man, like, how they're talking about building a new stadium and all of that. And I just wonder if they're going to weather the storm, if he comes out this year and puts up another bad showing, like another piss poor showing, which to be frankly, 
honest, we we don't expect them to be very good. Mm. Um, I, I just don't know how it's going to go, man. If they're going to try to go a different direction, you know, when they get that new stadium and all of that, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I hate to put them on the hot seat list, but seven and twenty nine the last three years ain't going to cut it, Pat. So. That's just, it is what it is. Now, this next team, I'm not going any, into any detail on records. They suck, and that's all you need to know. Jeff Halfley at Boston College. <laughs> Dude, this, just go, if you want to go throw up real quick as a listener, just go look up Boston College's stats and record the last three seasons. Particularly offense. Yes, particularly on off, the offensive side of the ball. It is disgusting. It's not good. That's all I'm going to say. He should be fired yesterday, but it's one of those same conversations, you know, like how much do they care about winning? I think Boston college actually somewhat does give a shit because they have fielded good teams as recently as like seven, eight years ago. Yeah. You know, they have been a tough program to play against in the ACC as recently as six, seven years ago. Yeah. The ACC is a conference that you can be competitive in. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's on my list as well. I agree with everything you said. It it he's in trouble. That's all yeah. I'll say. Yeah. And uh, what, as Timmy likes to say, the flaming throne for me bel- <laughs> belongs to Neil Brown of West Virginia. The pitchforks are out for this dude. He's 14 and 21 in the Big 12, 22 and 25 overall as a head coach. That's not going to cut it at a school like West Virginia. Yes, I know. Don't come at me, SEC fans. I know it's West Virginia, and you can say what you want. But in the early 2000s, West Virginia was a fucking juggernaut, and they were crushing people, and they had top-tier NFL talent at their school. And and it's not crazy to think that they could be a competitive team in the Big 12 if they had the right dude at the helm. No, they got – I would have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure they got Billy Napier fired. <laughs> as as the offensive coordinator at Clemson. Yeah. Um they they have been a good team recently and we'll I'll talk more about Neil Brown I guess when it's my turn but okay. he he's been disappointing. Yeah. So to recap for me uh number 5 here Tom Allen Indiana, uh, number 4 Justin Wilcox at Cal, number 3 Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, number 2 Jeff Halfley Boston College and number 1 Neil Brown of West Virginia. That is my hot seat list and I did have four names on my uh watch list here Ooh. that we that we can talk about uh, after yeah, we'll we'll talk about that after you uh, do honorable mentions out. later. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We will we'll I'll do my honorable mentions after your list because some of these guys could be on your list. I don't know. So we'll see. Okay. So I think I think one might. Uh right. our our list predictably, like it does most times, does overlap quite a bit. So number five for me, I thought about Pat Fitzgerald and instead I pivoted in a slightly different direction with a guy who's very, very similar to Pat Fitzgerald, and that is Greg Schiano at Rutgers. This is his second tenure at Rutgers from 01 to 11. He was 68 and 67. So pretty mediocre tenure at Rutgers. Highlighted highlighted by a couple of really successful Ray Rice-esque years. A couple. Um, Yeah. But since he's back in his three years, he is uh, 12 and 22, looks like. Uh, this past year was particularly gross. They were 124th <laughs> in scoring offensively and 95th in points allowed on defense. They gave up 29 a game. Oh, jeez. Uh, they were just as bad offensively as you know in the year before. In 2021, they were 120th. They lost six games by 17-plus last year. 
So, oh um, I get, and maybe this would have been a, a better like preamble, but w- when I do my list and I kind of explain my personal process in the article a little more, but I look for a, uh, how is a coach done so far? And then B, another thing I really kind of emphasize is what do I think his prospects are going forward? You know, is he, do I think he can win enough games to save his job basically? Right. So like Jeff Collins last year, I had Georgia tech maxing out at like four wins. And after three straight three win seasons, I was like, there's, there's no way. Um, So that's why he was number one over a bigger name, like a frost or a Harson for me. I just thought he was the most likely to not be able to save his job. If I'm I'm not mistaken, was he not the first guy fired out of all of the people on our hot seat lists? What Jeff Collins, the first to go. It it was either him or frost. I'd have to look. I think Herm. Yeah. Frost didn't go to like week six. I think I would have to look. Collins might have been, I think he was the first. He started Oh and three and got shit canned. And then, and then Georgia tech won like, Two or three straight. They yeah, he, he started one and three, and then they yeah. they let him go, and then they immediately go get a road win at Pitt. Yeah, and, and they just I want to say they like shellacked those guys. I think they won by multiple scores. But, yeah, uh, we bet against Georgia Tech that week, yeah. and they they screwed everybody that bet they against did. them. So Shiano so edges out Fitzgerald for me, but I think it's a very similar type of scenario where you got a guy who's pretty entrenched, and that might help kind of buy him a little more time than he might otherwise get, but he just, no he hasn't been very good there and they were putrid last year and they don't gonna, look like going to be very good this season either. Yeah, so no, they're going to stink again. Uh, number four, I've also got Justin Wilcox. That is our, our one. Actually, that's one of two kind of matches we have Justin Wilcox, yeah. um, who again, I actually thought, that they had already fired. I must have gotten them confused with like the guy at Texas Tech, uh, Wells. I mean, or something. does it really make a difference? It's Cal. Whether he's no. fired or not, they're still going to suck. Yeah. He's number four for me. Number three, I've got Neil Brown, who is your number one. And I'll yeah. say this when I sat down and started this, I fully expected to have Neil Brown at number one on my list, but he hasn't been quite as terrible as I thought. He's never won fewer than five games. Yeah. And for the problem is he's never won more than six. <laughs> so, well, yeah, because I mean, West Virginia, like six wins is not okay over no. there. So you, you get a guy three years ago that you hire a guy from Troy who's coming off three straight double digit win seasons who yeah. went 31 and eight in his last three years there with a three and O bowl record. Yes. You've got to be expecting more than 22 and 25 through three seasons in or four seasons, excuse me, in the big 12. Yeah. Like that's another conference. You can be competitive in the Big Twelve. They're just not. Their defense is horrific. <laughs> they thirty-two point nine allowed last year. Ugh. That was one hundred and sixteenth in the country. Offensively, they were fine. They were like, I think they were top thirty uh, <sighs> in scoring average. But you know, well, you, lose- you know, yeah. And if you go back and watch like the backyard brawl. Like it was such a good game. West Virginia looked so good yeah. in that game, even though they lost. They had a really like it was promising. Like they Timmy looked like a, a they looked like a competent football team. They had yeah. good players, like that that Ford Wheaton kid. I thought was really good. They had the, yeah. the freshman the, tight end that they converted to running back. Who was yeah a the Donaldson kid? Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I was like how freak man. How I was like not Jesus. Win, these dudes how do you not good. win six games in that conference with these type of players? And I don't uh, know. So he's number three for me. He's he's got some work to do. Number two, I also yeah, have, la- hang on. Last uh, yeah, note yeah. on last note on West Virginia, like it was over for them when Kansas went on the road and beat them. Like yeah. that was the point where I was like, dude, 
the pitchforks are about to be yeah. out for Neil Brown, and, yeah. and they are the the fans are pissed off. Twitter exploded when they announced they were keeping him. Like this dude could get the Clay Hilton treatment, where it's like you start zero and one, you know zero and two or some shit. Like you're you're gone. So, yeah, but anyway, I, continue. I absolutely think he could not last the season, but yeah. he's number three for me. Number two, I also have Jeff Halfley. Yeah, they. Their scoring average has regressed every year he's been there. Uh, they were 122nd offensively this past season <laughs> with Zay Flowers on their team. Like, how how was that even possible? They're 17.8 a game. Well, if you got somebody like me out there throwing in the ball, you know, yeah. then that's that's basically what you're looking at. You know, so they went three and nine last year. Two of their wins were by one point. <laughs> Five of their losses were by 17 plus. So oh. they could have easily been a one and 11 team, and you know that's not that much worse than three and nine when you think about it. But yeah. they, you know, he just kind of treaded water for his first couple seasons, and then just fell off the cliff this year and boy i tell you what if he if, if he doesn't get back to six wins boy he's in trouble so Oof, man and and i just i don't see it i don't think they're going to be a very good football team so no um, i would tend to agree and then number one i I'll, i kind of felt bad because i don't know that anyone can win at this place but uh tom allen is yeah. he was my top spot just because yeah. they've they've been so terrible they're six and eighteen the last two years, yeah. they were bad on offense. They were worse on defense. The last two seasons, they they haven't been in the top 100 in either scoring offense or scoring defense either of the last two years. They've been 100 or worse. Six losses by 14-plus. Um, <sighs> I can't see much reason to think that they're going to be much better than they were a year ago. I think he's probably looking at best at another four and eight season. And if that's... <sighs> You know, you got to feel like once he gets to loss number six, if he's got teams like Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State or whoever left on the schedule, where it's like we're just not going to make a bowl game, they might pull the trigger then. But yeah. he is, by all accounts, a good guy. His players love him, but you know the results are the results. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I I, I compare this dude a lot to like a Ed Orgeron type of guy, where he's a players' coach. The players mm-hmm. like him. And he vastly benefited from having really good coordinators. So he has Dave Aranda, he has Joe Brady, wins a title, loses both coordinators, and then just flounders, you know, and he tanks. And I feel like Tom Allen having Kalen DeBoer, who is a winning machine. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Kalen DeBoer was his offensive coordinator in 2019. They went eight and five. Yeah. Uh, and, and then they were good in the COVID year when Michael Penix looked like the Michael Penix we saw this past season. But since he right. left, boy, it's been ugly. Uh, four yeah, and eight. And one of those wins was an absolute gift from the officials in that <laughs> Illinois game. It was. Oh, man. I think I might have been the beneficiary of an under and over there in that game. I, can't I was the beneficiary of an L because oh, oh. I had Illinois on that game. Oh, man. Not good. But, so uh, what do you got? Who's your honorable mentions? Oh yeah. All right. Now I think we, I do think we should go back and forth on some of these. Because, okay. I only um, have one really. Cause I already talked about Pat's Fitzgerald. Oh man. I've got four. I got okay. four honorable mentions here. Okay. So honorable mention number one for me, major list last year, Dino Babers. 
going one and six down the stretch is not going to cut it. Dino Babers makes honorable mention for me, but just because like, you know, if, if making a bowl game is your ceiling, okay, but I'm not going to put you on the hot seat list given that I don't know what kind of expectations Syracuse has for him. I'm not in that administration room. I, I don't know. So, but just based on results, he makes my watch list. Another guy, and this one, I almost, I almost didn't even want to include on the watch list because he's not far removed from having a really good year. But Dana Holgerson, think about two years ago, they went twelve and two. They're mm-hmm. crushing people. Yeah. And coming into last year, we thought Holgerson was like the dude that could potentially break into that Cincinnati role. Like, yeah, I absolutely can- thought he like last year. I said if I had to pick a group of five team to to crash the playoff, it would be a tough call between Coastal and Houston. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he goes eight and five, and it's yeah, just Coastal was lo- much better. Yeah, and loses some games that he's not supposed to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. And so I wonder how it's going to go in the first year of the Big 12. But if they show up and they tank and they get the shit kicked out of them a lot, I'm not going to say he would be fired after this season, but I think next season his seat would be like flaming hot. If they if they show up this year and get the shit kicked out of them a bunch, next year it could be like, show me something or else. You know, yeah. we, we don't want to get too deep in a hole here in our in a new conference. You know, we don't want to waste this chance as it were now watch list Jim any watch list Jimbo Fisher has to be on it just because it's hilarious that he's owed 75 million dollars if he gets fired yeah and if I had to pick one school that would fork out that kind of money it would be Texas A&M oh 100% and so yeah all that oil money down there and so it it, it points to and by the way if you haven't seen it go to bellyupsports.com and check out uh, Eric's article on the Petrino Jimbo dynamic it's really interesting and if this does not work out and like the offense is sputtering, which I, I'm not so certain that it's going to sputter. I think it'll be fine. It's more of a, like a long-term type of thing for me. Yeah. Like, how, how's that going to work out in a year and a half? Because I, I've never met anyone or listened to anyone or any player who really has good things to say about Bobby Petrino, like as a man, as a coach, you know, the only thing that anyone ever says about him is that, he knows how to run an offense and score points. I mean, is that a fair assessment of Petrino? No, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm, I haven't heard any glowing reviews about Bobby Petrino, the human being. Uh, you know, yeah. the crux of the article wasn't necessarily, you know, can he be successful or can he not? It was, here's why they hired a guy with his type of baggage, which is significant. And, you know, if it works, you know, great. They, they don't have to improve a ton offensively to get to like nine and three. Yeah. Yeah. But they do need to improve. Um, now, is nine and three enough for the the money people? Maybe, maybe not. But it's a weird situation that is not being talked about enough because if it doesn't work, it is going to not work in a just really interesting uh, drama filled fashion. So, yeah, Jimbo's my honorable mention as well, and he would have probably made my list if the buyout aspect wasn't so prohibitive and it's not like he's been bad there nine and four eight and five nine and one eight and four and then this last year was rough but he's got he's won almost two-thirds of his games there it's just is that enough at texas a&m absolutely not yeah you know he went eight and four at boston college or cal they'd be building him a statue but that's not good enough there and i don't know that it's questionable questionable to me whether those guys can coexist 
personality wise. It just, if it doesn't work, boy, it is going to get capital U ugly. And <laughs> yes, agreed. so they, they, but they do need to be better or Jimbo may actually be in uh, guys. It's be, still tough to he, me for me to he think might be that, $75 million richer. Yeah. It's still tough for me to think that they would actually pay that out, but I, I don't know, man, <sighs> they got a lot of money. <laughs> I mean yeah. that when they renovated that stadium, it cost four hundred and eighty million dollars, and they didn't even like miss a beat. Like yeah, yeah whatever. It's four hundred eighty million. They spent another two hundred and seventy million on a new football facility. Like they're not winning ball games, man. They're gonna shit can that guy. They're thinking, you know, whatever. Yeah, but the how cost many? Of, the cost of shit canning him and going and getting somebody who you think could dominate. Say they went and got Garrett Riley if he does work at Clemson, you know, or someone like that. Mm-hmm. And he starts lighting up the scoreboard or whoever, you know, so they draw Kiffin away or something like that. You know, somebody who can, you know, legitimately score points or like a Kalen DeBoer would be a good example. Say they get that dude, you know, then you're like, fuck that guy with the Texas A&M's resources, like, holy shit. And so I think this is his show me or else year, man. I mean, I think he makes it through the season, you know, regardless of results. But man, if if it doesn't go well again with the kind of recruiting talent that they've been bringing in, you've got no reason to keep him. I mean, sixty million by the end of the season is what he'll be owed. I think sixty-two, something like that. That cost versus another two to three seasons of bad football. You know what's the difference? Like, yeah, I mean, me, if he puts up another five and seven season, I could maybe see them doing it. But if he, yeah, you know, kind of his mo is, I'm just going to go and I'm going to win eight games. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to beat the teams I should beat. I'm going to lose maybe competitively, maybe not to teams that I should not beat. And I'm going to finish, you know, I'm going to win two thirds of my games. It's going to be tough. I think for the money people to swallow that kind of buyout, if they're still winning eight games. Now, again, if he goes five and seven, I could see them doing it because at that point, back to back, just supremely disappointing seasons. And you're like, is it going to get better? All right. So so let me ask you a question then, because that brings up an interesting point. So with the playoff expanding in 2025, would you want to shit can him before that? Like say at the end of this season to get somebody new in there to try to build up for next season and get ready for the playoff in 2025. Say he goes five and seven in this year and you owe him $64 million or whatever it's going to be. I think if he goes five and seven, they're going to be tempted regardless of whether the playoff field is four or 32. (laughs) They expand the playoff. You're still going to have to go win nine games. Yeah. Right. Facts. So if, you know, that's kind of their entering argument is do we think he can consistently win nine or 10 games when his track record suggests he's, he's he's done it twice. Legend state. Yeah. You know, he's done it twice in five seasons. So you know, going to an expanded playoff 40% of the time is not going to be good enough for those people. Yeah. It just isn't. Yeah. So I would agree. And I've got one, I've, I've got one more name here and I hate to put him on the list, man, because I, I like him. I think he's like trying to make all the right moves, but the on the field stuff that I saw in year one, just, I was m- massively disappointed and it doesn't look better for this year. And that's Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. I think Billy Napier, if he comes out and flops again this year, his seat could be like the surface of the sun by the end of the season. Yeah, I think he'll make it through the year fine. I don't think he's in danger right now, but I will say he is definitely a guy who this coming season is going to go a long way in determining what kind of 
status he enters 2024 as because yeah. you know their schedule is not fantastic no. their 2024 schedule also not fantastic <laughs> no. so uh i mean they've they've done really well recruiting like the last week and a half they've had a big week i think they're up to number three nationally mm-hmm. in uh, yeah. the 2024 rankings so that yeah. is going well if if he can go, I would say if he can go seven and five this year, then he's fine. Then he's, you know, and the recruiting kind of keeps up. If he can finish with the top 10 class again, he can demonstrate that he's building something. But 2024 gets interesting because that schedule for them is rough. Well, and he's in a difficult position too, because I was thinking about this. I was like, should I put him on the list or not? And so I thought about this for a second, but his biggest problem is that Florida's biggest rival is the juggernaut of college football. That's like his big problem. Yeah. Florida State is their, you know, quote unquote biggest rival. Okay. I get it, but they don't play in the same conference. So Florida State, they've been down. They're looking up now. They had a good year last year. They got a lot of hype this year. So that, you know, kind of off the screen is happening. But on the screen, Georgia's won back-to-back national titles, and Florida-Georgia is one of the greatest rivalries in all of football. So when you've got Georgia winning back-to-back titles and Florida State finally has their shit together and you're going five and seven, that's a quick way to get get exited out of, you know, get escorted out of the building. Yeah, and he's he's an example of, you know, one of those guys five years ago wouldn't think twice. Oh, yeah, he went six and six and lost a bowl game. Okay, yeah. year one. Well, now, right, when you look at guys like Dan Lanning and Sonny Dykes and Kalen DeBoer and Lincoln Riley and guys, you know, and those those guys are, they are exceptions to the rule, Yeah, but they're looked at as the rule, right? So Florida is looking oh, like, yeah. like, you know, Washington went 12 and two. Like, what, what are we, or 11 and two? What are we doing here? You know, why did we go six and six? Well, and I mean, you can, it does work at times. Like they gave, you know, Florida State gave Norvell four seasons before mm-hmm. he got his shit together. Like it, it can work. Harbaugh, same thing. You know, they gave him God knows how many years before he finally got his shit together and won back to back Big Ten titles and went to the playoff twice. So it can work if you give a dude time. So it'll be interesting to see how much Florida will be willing to put up with because, it, like I say, you got Georgia who is the pinnacle of college football right now. You've got Florida state. Who's looking up. Yeah. I, I would know, almost, man. I would almost say in his particular case, you, say they go five and seven. Yeah. I, I would look at the losses and if, if they're competitive in those games and mm-hmm. against good conference teams, like a Tennessee or a Georgia or yeah. a Florida state out of conference or on the road at Utah. Yeah. You know, take that in consideration because like, yeah, they, they lost, you know, three out of those four, but even though three, they lost, you know, they, they didn't get run off the field and that actually might go a long way in either helping or hurting him is how the losses look just as much as whether they win or lose. Very true. Very true. So who's on your uh, watch list here for hot seats? Uh, Jimbo was my only honorable mention that, that like we talked <laughs> about. Yeah. Oh man. Brutal. And, and I, I left him off cause I was like, man, I just don't see it. Like I get that it's Texas A&M, but I just can't see them forking out the, the 65 million or whatever, um, unless he just completely tanks. He, he would have to be worse than last year, I think. Well, that's, uh, yeah. If they're worse than last year, he might not make it through the year because they've got money. But next week, it's official. We start our conference previews, Pac 12 coming at you next week. And then uh, let's see. 
we've got Pac-12 next week, and then we get into Big 12. Big 12. And I think we're breaking that up into two episodes because there are now 16 teams in the Big 12 for this year. Uh, We're going to do some version of, I think, North and South is what we settled on. Well, you know, it'll be like. We don't have divisions anymore, but we'll give them some for that episode. It'll be like old times, man. You know, back when there was a Big 12 North. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, you know, we're traditionalists on this show. Indeed, we are. All right. Well, in the meantime, you guys can find us on uh, social media at South End Zone Pod. That's Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all the interwebs. We're out there. Uh, we're on all podcast podcast platforms, all major ones anyway. And uh, you can follow me at Jason Bailey forty seven. You can follow Eric at Eric Mulhair. And we'll be back with you next week, starting our conference previews. Until then, catch you guys later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.